Glory to God. Morning. It's wonderful to be able to be in Heritage of Faith, Fort Worth Crowley. Hallelujah. Thank you for having me here. It is for my wife and I, Pastor Sharon and I, it is one of the greatest joys and one of the greatest privileges of our life to be able to minister to y'all. And uh, in everything that I do, everywhere I go actually, everywhere I travel, everywhere I go, everything I do in, in uh, Africa, I always give honor and I give credit to Brother Jerry Savell for the price that he, he has paid, the general of faith that he is. Every year we do a Bible school graduation. He's not there in person, but we give him honor and credit for what he's put into our lives and that he's the chancellor of our school. And, uh, and this morning, I want to say the same, that I'm grateful and thankful. And I stand here under this house anointing, under his covering and under his anointing, and that of Miss Carolyn. And thank you. Miss Carolyn, we love you. We honor you. We respect you and Brother Jerry more than our words can tell. Really. And so, I mean, it's one of the greatest joys and privileges for us to be able to stand here and minister to you. To Pastor Justin and Annette, thank you. We've grown to love you more and more. And since you visited us in South Africa, uh, well, we're not sure that you should be here. But <laughs> no, we know you should be here, you know, but we love you guys and thank you. Thank you for having us minister here. You know, it would not be, for me, it would be important to say that one of the people that have stood by Sharon and I and have become covenant partners for us in life is Joe and Joyce McCroskey. And, uh, you know, I know that they're not always here because they're always doing things for Brother Jerry and Miss Carolyn, but uh, Joe and Joyce have always stood with us and been partners with us in life and in ministry. And Joe and Joyce, we love you, we honor you, we respect you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, when I was standing over there getting ready to minister, uh, I felt I needed to just start off by saying that I had a moment one day with Brother Jerry, and we were talking about honor. And uh, he said to me, you know, John, one of the things about the younger generation of ministers and people that are coming through in the world today is that they don't really understand honor. They may use the word honor, and they may have a, a, an understanding of honor in some ways, but the way Brother Copeland and I honor each other and the way we walk in honor with each other is not something that very many people are prepared to live at that level of honor. Well, you know, if he says something like that to me, then I pay attention. I pay attention because there's something there that he's telling me that I need to hear. And so I've set myself to observe and study and, re and understand as best as I can by the Holy Spirit to understand the honor that exists between Brother Jerry and Brother Copeland. Because if that's the standard of honor, and I believe it is in the body of Christ, I don't see very many other people, if any other ministers that honor each other the way they do, then that's certainly the standard of honor that I want to live towards Brother Jerry. 
you know, because he's the man that God's placed me with. And so I've set, I've set myself to honor him that way. And as the apostle of our ministry, I want to encourage you all to allow the Holy Spirit to minister that honor to you. Even though you see him more regularly, uh, I, want you to, I want to encourage you to do that. Part of, part of why I'm saying this this morning is that uh, in our modern day world, we have a, a very powerful set of tools that are available to us. And this mobile technology that is available to us is an extremely useful, powerful, and significant technology that is invading the earth. And, and if we think this is where it's ended, this is just the beginning. Uh, the younger generation of people that are out there, and I want to call them the teen generation now and the 20s, maybe the early 30s, but the younger generation of people out there, who do you suppose they honor? Who do you suppose they think they should honor? Do you think that they know what honor is? Uh, so I'm not addressing any particular church. I'm, I'm, I'm generically addressing a group of people here. Okay? That the general younger generation don't even respect and honor the words of their mom and dad. What they do is they rather go online and find out what somebody else says about an issue, and then they will say, well, I can identify with that, so I'll do that in my life. So if what they hear here is different to what they get from mom and dad, then very often what they get here may be some famous person, maybe some sports idol, maybe some school friends or colleagues or, you know, friends that are talking on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is, those things tend to have a greater influence on them. And so that becomes their honor. Because what influences you and what changes your thought and your life is what you honor. Right? So we have a mandate... Pastor Sharon and I are here on mandate to come and minister to you on prayer. And it's our great privilege to do that. Because Brother Jerry, Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen, all these people have put into our lives for many years. And we've been living them out. And it's our privilege to come and give you what God has given through our gift and calling and the way we applied it in our ministry. Uh, what's at stake here is the next generation of people not just us. Even though our church and our people and our members need to step up and become powerful believers. But what's at stake is if we don't believe it and we don't live it and we don't honor it, then how can we expect the next generation to do it? They're not going to get it from some Twitter feed. They're going to get it because they see it at work in you. So when we talk about prayer and corporate prayer and living a life of prayer, we need to be understanding that what we do in our homes and what we do in our lives is going to do, the next generation is dependent on it. It's incumbent on me and the people that are with me from South Africa, I think they should stand for a minute, all the people that have traveled with us from South Africa. These are marvelous, amazing people. Give them a hand. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, guys. I just want you to know that we didn't, uh, this happened organically. God orchestrated that they would come with us. And, uh, and so they're here on purpose, and they're here with assignment with us. Hallelujah. Uh, but they will tell you that it's incumbent on me, and, and, and I preach this, and Pastor Sharon and I, we teach this, we live this. And the idea of what we live is, Brother Jerry and Brother Copeland, Miss Carolyn and, and, and Gloria have, have shown a way of how to live by faith. They've lived it. They've paid a price for it. They paid a big price for it, more than you and I can ever know what price they paid to bring us the messages and the lifestyle that they have lived. If we just look at them and say, well, they are, they are you know, blessed because they paid the price, we've missed the boat. What we've got to do is look at them and say, we must live with the way they've taught us and the way they've lived before us. If we don't do it, we're in danger of skipping a generation. Then how can we expect the next generation to get a hold of it? It's going to mean someone else has got to come and pay the same price again for the next generation to get it, when they've already paid the price. So we need to do our part to make sure that our children get it. And that means we've got to get it. We've got to love it. Right? Hallelujah. Before I get into the formal part of my message, and I'm already preaching, and you can say I'm, you're preaching well, Pastor John. <laughs> Before I get into the formal part, I want to just tell you a, a story about a gentleman that's in our church, and in one of our churches, and, and uh, it's many years ago now, and uh, we were having a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And this gentleman, it was a foreman, if you like, a senior foreman in one of the mines, doing shift work and doing different things. And, uh, you know, he would come to prayer meetings sometimes. He would come to church sometimes. The nature of his job is that he often had to do shift work and do all that sort of stuff. And so we were doing a prayer meeting, and he's a conservative uh, man with a background in the Dutch uh, sort of personality, Germanic Dutch persona, quiet, austere. If you just look at his face, it tells you, don't mess with me. <laughs> you know that kind of thing? Well, he was in the prayer meeting that, that night, and, uh, and we were engaging people to be part of the prayer meeting, and the Lord just began to stir up in my heart that I must go and grab him and pray with him and get him to pray and then dance with him. <laughs> yeah, that's how I did it, Rick. But, uh-huh. Tell someone else, you know, who's not going to get a fist in the face. And uh, so I found... So I took the microphone and I took the microphone to his face and I said to him, pray. And I said, these are the words I want you to use. And I told him the sentence he must speak. Now that was under the inspiration and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So he said exactly what I said and I took the microphone back and I said, thank you, sir. And then later on I went back and I said, 
And I grabbed him by the arm and I said, come dance with me. Well, as you can imagine, you know, that was a, a bombshell for him. But I didn't give him a chance. I grabbed his arm and I just took him and started to dance in the aisles with him, you know. That man today, his whole family serves God. All his sons are in the church. His grandsons, grandchildren, everybody's in the church. The whole, all their children, their families are all on fire for God. Because here's what happened. I was taking the microphone to different people to have them pray. And uh, when I took the microphone to him, he had already said in himself, he better not bring that microphone to me. Because if he brings that microphone to me, I'm getting up and I'm walking out. I'm not going to pray. That's what he said in himself. Of course, in about the next five seconds, I walk up to him and I put the microphone in his face. You know. But God knew what he needed to get him unstuck. And when dad got unstuck in the family, the sons who also had the same Germanic, Dutch, austere kind of bearing, you know. Because sons take off to fathers. It's like, don't mess with me. And you mess with my dad, you mess with me. And you got the whole family of men to mess with. That's how they are. You know, and they're strong men. Men who work with their hands. Men who are capable, strong men. You know. But guess what? They're all in church because they saw dad to undergo a transformation. A man who was not one who prayed, now he's a praying man. Can't keep him away from prayer meetings. Can't keep him away from church. And then a couple of times after that, we've had dance sessions and all kinds of manner of things. That every, now and again, every now and again, God will have me call him up and say, come, I need to pray for you. And I'll, he'll come up publicly and I'll throw my arms around him and I'll hug him. And, and him and I will hug publicly and we'll cry together as Germanic Dutch Power man, <laughs> foreman, mining man. We'll stand in the front of the church and cry together. Power of God. And all of his grandchildren are in church. And they're all coming to prayer meetings and they're learning to pray together. Hallelujah. If we do what God tells us to do and we become a praying church, not only does it change who we are, but it changes how our children see God. Because they see God in us applying ourselves to speak words. Because words matter, as I said on Thursday night. Words matter. And when you speak words that matter to God and you speak His words, you speak to Him, you speak for Him, you speak with Him, you speak about Him. When your words are about Him and you're constantly speaking words, guess what? You're praying. And when your kids hear you speak about God like that all the time and not some things about, I don't know if this president is ever going to amount to anything. And I don't know if this government's going to go anywhere. And I don't know if any, any, any. And the kids hear that. They say, where's your faith, Dad? Oh, you're just saying the same things that the guys say on CNN or NBCN or whatever ever else it is. You know? You don't want to be saying what they say. They don't have God's knowledge on the matter for your nation. You don't want to be saying that. You want to be saying what God puts in your heart and what the Word says about it. When they hear you speak by faith, they get hope. Our next generation is at stake in this. 
Halleluja. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. I'll tell you, this is an important principle for us that what we need to do is we need to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We have an apostle of this house. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. But we have an apostle in this house, and we need to be doing what he says. You have a shepherd in this house, and you need to be doing what the shepherd and the apostle are teaching you. So, first, they were all continuing in the message and teachings of the spiritual leaders. They continued in fellowship. Guess what? You can't have fellowship over internet. You can get information, but you cannot have fellowship. I'll tell you what, even if you FaceTime somebody, okay, okay, but it's not quite the same as being with somebody. Isn't it? And, and that's, that's always what the enemy of God has always been about. He's always been about substituting the real thing with something that's a fake thing that's easier to do. But if you do the real thing, it has a lot more value. So you can either go with the easy thing, but you can go for the valuable thing. So that means they were not neglecting the special times of gathering and assembling together. They were breaking bread and putting themselves in constantly in remembrance of the death and the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were continuing steadfastly in praying. That's why I know Pastor Justin has recently ministered a message that Heritage of Faith is a house of faith and it's a house of prayer. And you will influence your communities and your cities if you do those things at least. Hallelujah. Through this, the fear of the Lord came upon people, and then marvels and wonders were wrought. When the pattern is right, the glory of God will manifest. These are important spiritual elements for us to live as a people. So, I go back to what I was saying in the Monday night, the Thursday night and Friday night. Prayer is not boring. Well, because God's not boring. You know, many years ago, Brother Jerry's whole ministry, his whole thing is adventures in faith. Well, when I was a young Christian, I kind of, that adventure thing got me, you know, I like an adventure. Right? Come on, you guys, don't tell me here. If you're, if you're, if you like any kind of something new, something surprising, something interesting, well then that's adventure. And so, you know, that's what faith's all about. Faith's got something going for you somewhere around the corner all the time. And if you're a praying faith person, it's like, wow, what next? What can I have? What can happen next? What can, what we, can we do next? And pretty soon, God's got you doing something that you didn't expect to do. And then you say, well, I, gee, Lord, this is a bit uncomfortable. You're in adventure. It's not about comfortable, it's about adventure. 
just change your language. Oh, that's not very comfortable. I'm out on a limb here. That's exactly where God wanted Peter. Out the boat on the water. Walk it, brother. Walk it. Hallelujah. That's what a life of prayer and faith is all about. It's walking on the water with Jesus. Well, you know, prayer is like, uh, you know, you've got to kind of do Not if you know how to pray. Because prayer is just, hey, I've got words to speak. I've got words to speak. I've got words. The words that come out of the Word of God. I've got words to speak. What words do I want to speak now? Well, I want to speak words that, that my faith can conquer the world. I've got words to speak that if God is for me, then who on earth can be against me? There is nothing above the earth, on the earth, or below the earth that can stand against me because i got words. What words? They're Jesus' words in my mouth. I've got to speak those words. Now I'm praying. That's not boring. I'll tell you, that's, that's how I became financially prosperous. I did what Brother Jerry taught me to do, Brother Copeland. I said, they did stuff. I said, well, I'll do that stuff. And so I lived by those words, and those words worked. Hallelujah. It's no magic here. This is God. It's all God. Put God to work for you. Put His words in your heart. Put His words in your mouth. Let them come out of your mouth and speak them. Speak them. And when you hear other words that want to fill your heart, you say, no, 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 get away from me. I want to speak words that God says. I want to speak His words. They're in my heart. They're in my mouth. This is my salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. One of the things that we have a mandate to come and, and share with you is how we do corporate prayer. Because, and, and I'm not going back to what I did on Thursday night and Friday night, you've got to get everything, but, but there is a difference between praying personally and praying corporately. Because in the same way as if you go to work and you sit at your desk and you've got a job to do, you do a job and you're interactive and you do your thing. But then when you go into a boardroom or you go into a meeting where there's other staff members, you can't do what you were doing by yourself. You go and you sit and you listen to what someone else has to say. And while they're talking, you quiet. And so then when everybody gets a chance to share something, you say, okay, now we, everybody, let's do this and let's do that. And then that's a corporate meeting. Right? So that's what happens when we collectively come together. One person speaks at a time. Then when it's time for everybody to speak together in agreement in the spirit or something else, then the facilitator will say, let's do it together. So, the definition of corporate is, so, you know, the word etymology, that means the root of the word, etymology of the word is unified in one body, continued as a legal corporation, as a number of individuals empowered to do business, as though you were an individual. Huh. So that sounds like Ecclesia to me. And we, I got through talking about Ecclesia. The Webster's 1828 says corporate to be shaped into a body, unified in a body as a number of individuals who are empowered to transact business 
as an individual, formed into a body as a corporate assembly. So when you come and do corporate prayer together, as I said before, this is not about you come and then you get up and you walk around and everybody's doing their own prayer and then you come back together and all that kind of stuff. Well, because then you might as well pray at home. When you come pray together as a corporate body, I'm also not praying, and I'm not saying this in any demeaning manner, please. Okay? But it's not time to pray for Auntie Sally's cat. That's not why you call a corporate prayer meeting. If you understand what Ecclesia is, Ecclesia is a group of people, the word that the Apostle Paul used, the word that Jesus used when he said to Peter, on this revelation I will build my church, that word church is Ecclesia. This was a thing that they would go and call people to come to an assembly and they would call them out of what they were doing in their homes, in their business. They would call them out and they would sit in assembly and they would conduct and govern the order of the city, the town, the place where they were staying and they would make decisions that relate to governance, to policy, to different things that were going on in that area. So if you were called out to assemble as an ecclesia, it was a governing function. So they didn't come and sit in the church in the square or that to pray for Auntie Sally's cat. What they might have done is say, we have a pestilence of rats, how are we going to get rid of it? And certainly, the church can do that. You know, these rats that are running around the world trying to undermine our very value system and our whole lifestyle, we have the right to get rid of the rats. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, His sanctuary, and that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you? To be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. So God has called us to both be individual and collective. So we are supposed to pray individually and we are supposed to pray collectively. And the devil has by and large stolen the collective prayer time away from us. So let's be real about this. Wednesday night football. Tuesday night, Monday night football, baseball, basketball. It's more interesting than going to a prayer meeting where everybody walks around the building and someone's over there and someone's over there and someone's over there and someone's over there. And, and we actually don't know what anybody else is praying. And while you're praying anyway, you're actually thinking about dinner afterwards. And so you might be praying in the spirit, so robot against again. And I wonder what happened with that person. And then someone calls you, don't shut me down because I'm preaching good now. And so who wants to come to a corporate prayer meeting like that? So they don't. They stay at home. So when the pastor calls for a prayer meeting, it's like, oh, not another one. Believe me, we have gone through this. We are talking to you about years and years and years of learning. But praise God, our 10 years of learning, heritage of faith, are catching up in a week. A week. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you know that these ecclesia meetings that they would hold in council, this, this is as per one of Rick Renner's books, who's also part of our camp. You know, he says that the history will show that they used to call these meetings 30 to 40 times a year. That means almost on a weekly basis they would have an ecclesia. Hallelujah. So the church, we, the church, as citizens of God's kingdom, all the believers have the right to participate in the affairs and the life of the church. If you're a planted one, you have the right. If you are a traveling believer, you have no rights. If you are a traveling believer, otherwise known as a grasshopper, I hop from this church to that church to that church. So if you're a traveling believer, and there's a lot of them, then you don't have a right at any church. If you are an observing believer, you also don't have rights. Because there are many people that observe by way of television, by way of all kinds of things they observe. Now, I, you know, if you want to have church by way of watching television, that's okay. But then get planted somewhere. Because then what you do when you get planted is you say, here's a body, here's the ecclesia that God's called me to. So if I'm called to this body, then I join this body. Then this body is my place where I can become a functioning member of the ecclesia. So when we come to corporate prayer time, I bring my gifts and my callings. And I bring my energy and I bring what God has called me to. And I bring ecclesia with me. Because now when I join with this body, we are called because we have an a proper spiritual authority in this house, we are called to rule, to reign, to change the policies, the spiritual atmosphere, all of the things that are going on in this area, the city, this region, this whole, we can change it. So who would want to go church hopping when you can be part of Ecclesia? If you church hop, you lack purpose. You may have lots of hype and get lots of information and get lots of in, lots of stories about lots of many things, but you know Ecclesia. Here's what happens. People go find out as much information as they can, as they can. then they come along and they say, I can bind whatever is bound in heaven and I can loose whatever needs to be loosed. And I start to bind and I start to loose. And the devil listens to you and he says, I don't do nothing on your prayer. That's a bold statement, Pastor John. Well, if you understand Ecclesia, the Ecclesia was called by those who lived and were citizens of the city. They didn't invite other peoples that had no business and knew nothing about what was going on in their territory. And they didn't know the people that were around them. And so then they must call people from another city to come and do this thing. No, the Ecclesia was called from among them. 
So when you are planted in a church, you have the right to participate as Ecclesia. So when the pastor or the apostle gets up and says, hey, it's time for us to pray for this president. It's time for us to begin to pray and release things. It's time for us, and in in Brother Jerry's case, he might say, God's called me to go to, uh, you know, because I was with him in Cuba. Let's go. I've got to go to Cuba. I've got to, hey, there's something that's going on there. God's calling an apostolic messenger that he's carrying a message to a group of people that need some change. They need some some of what he's got from all the generations of what's been put into him. He's carrying this message to another group. Now we as the Ecclesia send him. We send him with our prayers. We send him with our authority. We send him with our unity. We send him with everything. We send him. Brother Jerry, go with power. Go with our support. Go with our strength. Go with our prayers. Go with our honor. Go with everything you've got and go and give it all to them. All that we are, you, we send with you. Now, everything he does in Cuba comes to your account. Hallelujah. Your money is important, but your ecclesia is just as important. Hallelujah. This all adds a, adds a whole dimension change to church. You know, anyway, I've got to move along here. You guys are awesome this morning. You're engaged, you're listening, you're pulling it out. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well done, church. (laughs) Where Jesus is building according to his ways, there the gates of hell will not prevail. There will be victory. You understand, the ecclesia of the church is a long way from bunches of Christians just doing their thing and saying, I'll take authority and I'll bind and I'll loose and I'll do. Let me tell you, that's part of the reason why Christians are getting chewed up and spat out by the world. Because they're assuming that they can take authority because Jesus said you can do it. But they're not looking at the whole Bible about how they've got to function as a church. When Jesus left the earth, he said, there are many things that I have yet to teach you, but you are not ready to receive them yet. But when I'm gone, the Holy Ghost, the Holy One is going to come, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he will lead you into all the truth that you need to know. And he will show you and guide you and help you to understand all that you must understand. And so then what did he do? The Holy Spirit raised up an apostle by the name of Paul who was called to all the churches in Asia. And he would write to the Ephesian church and the Thessalonian church and the Philippian church. What was he doing? He was saying, I'm giving you what you need to be, Ecclesia. Hallelujah. Corporate prayer is a vital requirement to bring about God's kingdom in the earth. It is, it is the ecclesia convening as a body united in the course of Christ in a local church and coming to meet with God around many matters. So the scripture that, that we use is from Luke 19 verse 45 and he went into the temple and he began to 
cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Well, how do you convert a house of prayer into a den of thieves? It's the same meeting place. It's the same gathering point. It's the same people that come there. But what do they do when they get there? They do commerce with each other. When God says, when you come together, let's be ecclesia. Let's make us a house of prayer. I firmly believe this with all my heart, that the message of faith that was taught to me by my spiritual leaders and fathers, that message of faith formed the platform for us to understand this message of prayer. Because actually, if you understand faith, then prayer becomes much easier. Because words matter. And every word that you speak matters. It has the power for life or death when you speak words. And so every time you decide, I'm going to speak God's words, and I'm going to speak with God, I'm going to speak for God, to God, and we're going to speak God and me, we're going to be in partnership for life. Then you walk around taking God's words and you speak them. And then sometimes you come together and you all speak God's words together. Moving along. James 5 verse 16, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the Amplified it says, makes much power available. It's dynamic and it's working. So some just, some practical points. When you conduct prayer meetings, you must aim your prayers at a specific topic and stick with that topic. So if, if Pastor Justin calls a prayer meeting and the, the purpose of the prayer meeting is to pray for a trip that Brother Jerry's going on, for example, you don't start, in that trip, you don't start paying for somebody who's got sick and who's got cancer. Even though that person may really need prayer, that's not why you call prayer. Now, it might be that once you've done the business of praying why you call prayer, that you set aside some time to pray for the people that need prayer that has now just said they has got cancer. But the ecclesia gathering together has come for a reason. And now something else comes up. Okay, we can do that too. You don't change the whole focus of the whole meeting because someone's got cancer. That might sound like this is really ruthless and you don't care anything. I care. I, I, I feel the need to share this with you. My brother-in-law and I, we, we would do quite a lot of cycling together. One day he was out cycling and I was not with him. And uh, he was on his bicycle and he rode through and uh, uh, the boom caught his jacket as he was going through the boom. And it threw him off the bike. He had a helmet on, but he hit the curb with his head. And so the curb hit the back of his head here, just behind the ear. It was life-threatening. The ambulance came, put him in. My sister was called, put him in the, in the ambulance. And so she called me from the ambulance. And she said, John, 
Russell's dying. I said, Stella, I need you to focus now. Focus with my words. Say this after me. Russell will live and not die. She said it. I said, Stella, say it with me again. Russell will live and not die. Now I want you to have that phone with you all the way to the hospital. And I'm going to speak words of life over him. And I thank you, Father, that life comes into his body. That supernaturally the angels are going to work. The Holy Ghost is going to work on his body. When she got to the hospital, of course, the church rallied around them and people started arriving at intensive care. I phoned my sister back. I was in Johannesburg at the time. I phoned my sister back. I said, Stella, I am not coming to the hospital bed. I said, there's too much going on there. You need me to stay here and pray. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to use my authority until I believe the job is done in the spirit to save his life. Now, some people may say, well, you were not being, being very human. I was being the most spiritual person I could possibly be for them at that moment. And so human emotion aside and all kinds of people think, you know, what kind of a man are you staying away when they need you the most? No, what they needed the most is for me to be spiritual. And I prayed and I got before God and I said, God, I'm making a demand on you now that he will live and not die. And whatever injuries are done to his brain, because there were parts of his brain that were beginning to ooze out and, and it was swelling and the danger of going into comas and all that kind of stuff, it was a serious injury. And I got into prayer and I said, this is not going to happen. He, the devil's not going to take his life. He's going to live and not die. That was for two days I prayed like that. Then I had peace. Then I went to the hospital. It's like everybody else was there. You know, Pastor Christie was there. Sharon was there. Everybody was there visiting. And I was happy for them. But in me, I knew I had to do what I had to do. So he's alive and well and productive and earning a living today. He has a, he has a slight uh, impairment on his, on his left cheek where, where, where he's lost some some movement on his left cheek because of the muscles are connected with the, with the nerves here. But for the most part, he's functioning as a 100% normal human being. Hallelujah. You understand that what people think are important can drag you into a... But you've got to be Ecclesia. Because if you're the Ecclesia, if you're the people of God, where God needs your words, He needs your energy, He needs your spirit to make a difference, you've got to respond to that. Yes. And so if people get offended by that, get over it. Amen. Because Ecclesia is not there to make everybody happy. The Ecclesia is there to make God decisions and, and, and command on behalf of God what must happen in that place. Yes. Hallelujah. When you have a corporate prayer meeting, the leader will share some scriptures that relate to the topic that you need to pray about and you stick with that. And then, of course, we always give the meeting over to the Holy Spirit. We are just vessels. And the Holy Spirit will use... So, first of all, the leader comes prepared by the Holy Spirit what to pray for. You know, I've heard many people say to me, Pastor John, how do I know what, what uh, the will of God is for my life? Then I say to them, well, it's very simple. There are some things that you don't have to wonder about. It's written about it. So the word of God says you must tithe. 
I don't have to wonder if that's the will of God. I just have to obey it. Yeah, but no, 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 I'm looking for something deeper, more significant. Well, tithe first. I'm really looking for my assignment and my purpose and my calling, and I, and I, and I need to know where I belong. Well, tithe. Come to the church prayer meeting. You know, have a significant part to play. And then when you start to do all these things, and you just, one of the things I say is, you know, love your husband and your wife properly. You don't have to wonder about that. The Bible says you must do it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gives himself up for her. That means you're in a giving mode, not a taking mode. There's no interpretation there. I think I must move right along. <laughs> I'm here to talk about prayer. But what I'm saying is, you know, if you put God's words that are powerful in your life at work, then there are many things that just mean uh, you don't have to start getting answers for. You already live the answers. And then you can become a meaningful ecclesia. Hallelujah. Prayers should be short. Why? Well, let's assume this is corporate. What a meeting this would be if all of you were the ecclesia coming to pray. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? You should. You should all want to be ecclesia. So you should come to the next prayer meeting that Pastor Justin calls. And so how would we get you all to pray? Well, you could. We couldn't, could we? No, there's just too many people. So we would be led by the Holy Spirit to ask somebody to pray. Have I got a, a handheld mic? So I'm going to do something that might be irregular. But I know this gentleman loves Brother Jerry very much. So I'm going to just for a moment ask Stuart to pray for Brother Jerry. Whatever comes out of your heart, sir. Lord, I just lift up Brother Jerry to you. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're leading him right now, Father God. Your words of wisdom are flowing from his mouth, Father God. Your favor is upon him, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, that every direction he goes, Father God, he's directed by you. Yes. And we just thank you, Father, for energy. We thank you, Father God, for power. That's in Brother Jerry, Father yes. God. We thank you, Father God. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. There's an example. Short, powerful, heartfelt prayer. Now, we're in Ecclesia, so nobody's got any, because we're united together, nobody says, well, how come he gets to pray and you didn't all get to pray? Well, only one person can pray at a time, and that doesn't mean to say your prayers are not any less it's as the Holy Spirit wills. I didn't plan to do any of this. I'm flying by the Holy Spirit right now, this morning, right now. Because I'm in charge of the meeting. Pastor Justin made me in charge. I wouldn't be in charge if he didn't put me in charge. So because I'm in charge, I can flow with the Holy Ghost. Right? So when he's finished praying, just short prayers like that. Now we can all agree with that prayer. Don't you agree with that prayer? Yes. 
And so we all say amen and now we can pray in the Holy Ghost together. Let's pray. Sombrendese bracolo brigita mbota. Sombrese brangala grote kibrereste. Remende de boste kibrandolo grote se kiprata. Le boste kayamano steble dredisa. Combranda basche che deve essere scritto lo pronta. For the sake of this service today, I'm cutting it short. But you see, this is, this is power at work now. Don't you want to be part of a corporate prayer meeting like this? You come together, you legislate. Now, Brother Jerry, wherever he's going, whatever he's preaching, you're all part of what he's doing. And I'll tell you what, when he walks into that prayer, when he walks into that pulpit, you're going to see the signs and wonders are going to increase in his ministry. You're going to see favors are going to be... I know he's already the favorite, but God's going to just push the level. Guess what happens? You become favorites with him. Join favorites because you're part of what he's doing. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Nikki, I know that you are connected to Justin and Annette, Pastor Justin and Annette. And so I'd like you to pray for them, please. Father, we come before you and we thank you for our pastors. Thank you, Father, that they've been chosen and ordained for this church. Thank you, Lord, week in and week out, they seek your face. I thank you that they are the man and the woman of God, your representatives to us. I thank you that your words are on their lips every week. I thank you you direct them and you give them wisdom and knowledge. I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit flowing through them, Father, that your word, Father, is rich, richly dwells in their hearts. And, Father, every week they bring us the word that transforms our lives. Father, we are so thankful. We love you and we love them and thank you for them. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we all say, and now we all sembra sombre gita molegisa brato lobro. Lembro sembrangasso kili brikiton prasakana mata. Lebo redindisto lombrashe kibrato kiraba. Lambro redesembregisha kotabayan kose kinematraba. Hallelujah. So you notice that the people that I, that I chose, because I'm not part of this ecclesia week in and week out, I, I chose people I know are connected. So that's one of the keys is that you've got to choose people that you know are connected, you know that are faithful, that are planted, that are going to pray according to the way that you want the prayer meeting to run. Because let me tell you, we only pray for about an hour. And we keep repenting short because we don't want people to get lost in this maze of thinking. We want you to stay focused. We want you to bring your spiritual energy and we want you to pray. Not think about food. And so on this basis, you're all hooked up with me today. Are you not? Can you not feel the unified energy that is going on in this meeting today? Because we're all focused, learning about prayer and wanting to pray, and we want to all grow in this thing. This is the way you can have prayer meeting every week. This is how we, in South Africa, have prayer meeting every week. We have prayer meeting just like I'm doing now. How much time have I got, sir? Five minutes. Five minutes. 
I've got to wrap up in five minutes. Well, hey, Pastor Sharon's going to do the next service. So, and let me tell you, she's got some stuff to teach. And you all are welcome. Y'all, you're welcome to stay. Don't worry about the other guys coming in. They've got to find their own space. Just stay. This is like an old-fashioned day of camp meeting. You get the whole yes. deal in about two hours. Yes, and then we've got church at 6 o'clock tonight, and we're going to pray. Yes. We're going to be ecclesia. Yes. Change some things. Glory to Jesus. Oh, Lord. So here's a few things that you've got to watch out for when you come to prayer meeting. Uh, I know this won't happen in this church, but it is important that you don't have an unspiritual leader. Because you need someone who's spiritual who can flow with the Holy Spirit and know where to go next and how to go and how to flow. That's why grasshopping Christians can't be part of the ecclesia. And so, I'm not going to say too much more about that. But people who come in late to prayer meetings, we are very specific. If our prayer meetings start at 6 o'clock, which is what we do in South Africa, we start at 6 o'clock, we start at 6 o'clock. People who come in late, because you imagine when we start at 6 o'clock, we're wanting to have one hour where we have power. We're ecclesia for one hour. So when people come in five or ten minutes late to an ecclesia meeting, we've already taken care of business. They're behind in the spirit. They bring their mentality of whatever, however they came into the meeting, and they disrupt it. So one of the things you have to get with the program is come on time to prayer meetings. Don't come on time, come five minutes before time. And you sit in the church and you go, I'm ready to be Ecclesia. And Lord, I've been preparing myself and I pray that the pastor calls me because I've got only 30 seconds to pray, but my 30 seconds is my gift. And that's just a good rule of thumb. If you're praying for more than 30 seconds, you're going too long. Because it's not about you preaching and teaching and showing everybody how much doctrine you know. This is about getting the business of God done. Hallelujah. Oh, of course, and then this is not a singing team when you come to pray. Unless the spiritual leader of the meeting says, it's time we all should sing in the Spirit as a form of intercession or as a form of prayer, and then the whole group does it because the leader says, God's moving this way. But you don't come to pray, but sing pray. Because then you're disrupting everybody else. Some practical things. You don't mind if I get a bit practical here. And even if there is a strong anointing, I urge you, for the most part, stop your prayer meetings when there's a strong anointing. Why would you want to stop when there's a strong anointing? Because when people leave under the strong anointing, they want to come back. Oftentimes, prayer meetings that have strong anointings, let's go, let's go, let's go, and then there's no more anointing left, and then nobody, everybody, oh, well, that, well, well. (laughs) 
And oftentimes it's like, wow, what an anointing, what an anointing. Go home. We don't want to go home. No, go home. But come back next Tuesday. Yes, sir. Because if we got this anointing, I want to come back next Tuesday. Because of the whole thing about Ecclesia is not doing it once with strong anointing. It's doing every week with strong anointing. Every week gets the job done. Hallelujah. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that we're not individuals that are coming to pray, that we're united coming to pray. That's why we have a leader. The leader is in charge and, he, and the leader will, will orchestrate the prayer meeting. And so don't get bent out of shape if you're not one of them for a while. Come and show your plantedness. Come and show you're willing to be Ecclesia. Serve as an Ecclesia. Come serve. Come serve. Come show. Come show and serve and be ready. And one day God, because it's not man that promotes you, it's God. Amen. Hallelujah. I've got news for you. Pastor Sharon and I are not here this weekend because Pastor Justin or Brother Jerry promoted us, brought us here. God wanted us to be here. So he put it on their hearts for us to come here. Hello? And that's the best way to get invited any place is if God does it. And if the, and if the leader of the prayer meeting says, you pray, you pray. I'm ready, Lord. And you pray your 30 seconds and you think, yes, I could pray for two hours. Well, of course, the house anointing, Ecclesia is at work. All of your authority is heightened. All of the anointing is heightened. Everything is working at maximum efficiency. Of course, you can pray for 10 minutes. Like that. Discipline is required. Because I prayed my 30 seconds and I hand it over to someone else. Because someone else has got a gift and an anointing for 30 seconds that they can pray. And then they can pray. And then they can pray. And then the ecclesia is praying and everybody's bringing their gifts and callings. And everybody's, we're getting the job done. It's not some guy who's got the microphone and refuses to let hold of it. And everybody's like, after three minutes, can we go home now? You don't want that in a prayer meeting. You want energy for one hour of power. And of course, it helps if you're someone who prays regularly. Because if you're a person who's in corporate prayer, if you're a person who prays all the time, you come ready. Praise the Lord. I can't quit. I'm just going to stop. I'm pulling a brother Jerry move on you. You know, I can't quit. I just got to stop because time is up. But Pastor Sharon has got it. I'm telling you, if you thought I was okay, she's great. And she's going to preach and teach on the living voice, the vivo voce of God. How can you go home after I've said all those good things about her? Hey, thank you for being such a wonderful congregation this morning. God bless you. God bless you.